Before we get started, Dead and Married would like to thank those very close to our Dead Black Hearts, our patrons. Thank you to William Rush, Karima Rhodes, my best friend and fellow Tom Atkins lover, Gary Horton, Carissa. Jonathan says thank you. Dr. Sexy himself, Kent Morton. Oh yeah. Kate Lamp, Travis's cowgirl, Lala Thomas. Hey girl. And last but certainly not least, our friends over at the Podmortem Podcast. You can also check out their very own show every Monday on all major platforms. And now, on with the show. Warning. The following show features spoilers and opinions performed either by professionals or under the supervision of professionals. Accordingly, Dead and Married and the producers must insist that no one attempt to recreate or reenact any opinion or fuckery performed on this show. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Dead and Married. I'm Travis. And I'm Ashley. And this week we're going to talk about, I'm, I'm not going to call it a classic. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's just a movie from 1980 called Terror Train and starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Because in the 80s they so often did star Jamie Lee. Yeah, a lot of those slashers in the 80s. Well, after Halloween, she got cast to do what this one and Prom Night. I, I can't remember if this was first or if Prom Night was first. I don't remember. Yeah, it doesn't but matter. Anyway. They're the same movie. <laughs> This movie was not, well, it was a ripoff. That's all it was. It was yeah. a money grab, the same as all the other slashers that came after Halloween. Right. Um, it's a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. It's a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 42% on Metacritic. And not to jump the gun here, I got to agree with them. And I just want to interject before we get started that the reason we are covering this film today is because it takes place on New Year's Eve. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. <laughs> 2022 is finally fucking over. Uh, let's hope for a better 2023. I feel like the last two years have just been a dumpster fire, at least for me. <laughs> it's been, the last couple of years have been rough. Yeah. <laughs> for, for everyone. Globally, they've been a couple of shit years. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, I know I already said that it's it uh, stars Jamie Lee Curtis, directed by J- Roger Spottiswood, who I think he was a protege of someone else, but he did a couple other things. He did 48 Hours. He did Sixth Day. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it also stars Ben Johnson as Karn. You will probably know him as The Conductor because it says that on his hat. <laughs> Hart Bachner plays Doc. Uh, now, you spotted I, this guy. No, I didn't. Uh, we When we were going through doing our research, um, we found out pretty quickly that that he was the dickhead guy from Die Hard, which we just covered on our Patreon. And I was like super fucking shocked. I don't know why, but I like audibly gasped <laughs> whenever I found out because again, we had just watched it and it just seemed, it, it was one of those, oh my God, that's what a what a coincidence that we would be watching two of that guy's movies in a row. <laughs> also a coincidence that he a plays. Yeah, also a Quidditch. <laughs> That he plays basically the same character in both films. Sort of. Sort of. In this in this film, Doc is just the younger version of that asshole in Die Hard. Well, to be fair, I think in Die Hard, he was kind of trying to save McLean's ass a little, or or he had hyped himself up enough to make himself think he was going to be saving John McClane. So. I think that is probably correct. Yeah. In his mind, he yeah. was going to save John McClane. In his mind, he was the hero. And then he was going to bag John McClane's wife. Right. <laughs> While doing coke simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> Large copious copious amounts of of uh, coke off a desk all the cocaine <laughs> Um, David Copperfield is in this movie. He is credited as the magician. It was so fucking random. Like, why of all movies would David Copperfield see this script and go, yeah, this seems like a good idea. Well, they needed a magician. So from what I understand, though, this is the only movie he did where he plays someone other than himself. Every other thing he's ever been in, he plays just David Copperfield. Right. Because apparently he really struggled with the acting part of this. He wasn't terrible. No, but apparently he had a really hard time remembering his lines and stuff. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So like the filming part portion of it. I mean, he didn't do a bad job in the movie, but the filming part, I guess, was tough for him. Mm -hmm. So after that, everything he ever did, he was just himself so he could say what he wanted. Gotcha. But we also have Derek McKinnon. He plays Kenny Hampson, who is our... uh, Our bad guy. Our killer. The bad guy. He's the the, the guy. And then there's other people. He's the dude disguised as a dude. Playing another dude. (laughs) Except not dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, one more person of note, uh, Vanity. Yeah. She was one of Prince's protégés. Yeah. Right? Well, I... Or girlfriend. Yeah. For for me, I'm... I mean, I am a Prince fan, but it's... For me, it's like, oh, she was also one of Nikki Six's ex-girlfriends, so that's a little closer to home for me. And you know all about that. I do. I've, I've read books, his books. <laughs> 
So it was written by T.Y. Drake and Daniel Grodnick, and then Judith Rasko is credited, or uncredited rather, for the screenplay. Okay, so moving on. What is your first watch memory of this film? Jim, I don't have shit right now. I've got nothing. I'm, I have no nostalgic history with this film whatsoever because I did not watch it until I would say at least within the last five to ten years. It, it's a more recent watch. So much so that when you and I were watching it this time, I, there were things I didn't remember about it. So, yeah. How about you? So, my first time to watch this film was with you. <laughs> And when you were like, oh, I've never seen this one before. I was like, wow, a 80s slasher that you've never seen before. And then we watched it and I understood why you've never seen it before. Well, I don't know that I hadn't watched it before because I didn't want to so much as it just wasn't readily available to me. It's not one that comes up in conversation a lot. So you mean I, at all? I have opinions. <laughs> As to why I think that that is possibly. Um, I, I do understand that it has gained its own cult following, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. But yeah. Yeah. But no, there's no, there's no nothing, history. Nothing attached to this for me. Either. No, no. So what about the story now that you've seen it uh, a couple of times? Cause we did, we ended up watching it twice for the record. So I feel like I can't talk about the story without talking about my opinion. So I'm go going to try to sidestep that a little bit. Uh, basic premises is a bunch of medical students are going on a train ride slash party. I don't even know. That's very uh, Jason Takes Manhattan in it. Like the class. <laughs> I just said in it and <laughs> just went all British there for a minute. It is in it. It's a bit sad, isn't it? <laughs> No, uh, you know how they, they do the class trip on the boat. It's kind of the same thing where they, I'm like, who's sanctioning this party? Is the school paying for this party? Are the kids paying for this party? So since you brought that up, that is something that I never did understand because at least in Jason Takes Manhattan, it was an organized school trip. Right. Then They never explain why they're doing this. It looks like it's just a party. Yeah, like, I think so because there's no faculty or anything involved in this trip. So maybe a bunch of the kids just got together and funded it, I guess. Well, you get the impression that there are some pretty well-to-do kids yes. on here because well, I guess I mean, they're all, they're all they're medical students. Medical but, students. But yeah, there seems to be the only the only reason they're on this train is because they wanted to party on a train. I guess so. That's just not what comes to mind for me if I'm going to party, <laughs> I guess. Probably not let's, on a train. Let's go ride a train. Whoa. Yeah. Fun times on a choo-choo. I don't, I don't know. But, Blaine is a pain. <laughs> yeah. But a few of these med students harbor a dark secret. I know what you did last summer. Yes! Well, I know what you did three years ago. That's also true. I know what you did last New Year's Eve, uh, three years ago. Right. <laughs> so... <laughs> So these kids start to get picked off one by one. The thing that makes this a little bit different, I mean, it's not really different. This is by no means reinventing the wheel. There's there's a lot of the same tropes. But I guess the difference is that we know who the killer is pretty much from Jump. Yeah, I I agree with you because they set it up in the in the opening sequence. They set up who the killer is obviously going to be, right? But then they throw David Copperfield in there as like a red herring, and I didn't I didn't buy it. Like, they not, tried I, really, really, like really hard. Like I I don't know why you're jerking me off right now. Like I know who it is. It's, it's <laughs> well, not David I think, Copperfield. I think the implication was supposed to be that maybe Kenny got some work done. Yeah, I don't. I mean, so the thing is, they never tell you. The that he was a big fan of magic until like, <laughs> like the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah. it. I don't know. They were trying to set up this kind of like mur murder on the Orient Express thing and just, nah, son. We, 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 I don't know why you're trying so hard to make it a whodunit when we pretty much know who's doing the killing. Yeah, because at this point, so many of these slashers had been kicked out that like you kind of knew, like if you prank somebody in the very beginning of the movie, that's the person that's going to come back and fuck you up later. Right. That's what I was going to say. This is kind of like, the same tropes as they did in prom night or sleepaway camp or not sleepaway camp why am i thinking sleepaway camp um the burning the burning is what i'm thinking of where they go to pull this prank on somebody and then oh 
I'm I'm big mad. I'm big pissed off. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. So I'm going to kill all these kids. Yeah. Well, now that you brought up Sleepaway Camp, this I don't remember if this one came first or if Sleepaway Camp came first. But I we do don't. have a transgender killer in this film. Right. Right. Well. Except you don't see it. I dick. don't know that they're. I don't. I don't know what the polite way is to say. It. I don't know that they're transgendered so much as they're just a crossdresser. Yeah. Right. Because right. there's no. There was no medical process. Yeah. Involved. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing like, like that. that. Involved. But either way, this is the second time we've seen that. Right. This was, yeah, I'm not sure which one came first, but this is one that was considered to kind of be ahead of its time in those terms. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we were talking about with Sleepaway Camp how you could not remake that film today, but the more I've had time to marinate on it, I think you could. Absolutely think you could. I think it's a subject that handled with the right care and written by the right people, you could make that into a deeper meaning type of story. And this one, I feel like is another one you could do that with. Like if put into the right hands in this climate, I think you could make something that's a little bit more, you could make Kenny more sympathetic. You really could. The only thing I can see is that Sleepaway Camp would require less of a rewrite than this because I don't remember so many instances of problematic dialogue in Sleepaway Camp. (laughs) This one's got a lot. Well, I don't think there was problematic dialogue so much in Sleepaway Camp. Just the big reveal at the end like oh never mind that Angela's killed all these people she's got a dick oh my god that right. was the that was the bigger issue and right. so I think that's what the but problem this was. this one script wise it would require some work. You think I so? Think. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah I, I think uh, I think the performance given by the actor who played Kenny was really really good. Um, It was a very manic kind of uh, I can't think of an think of another word but he just had something there where he was genuinely creepy you know I don't know that he was creepy in the beginning I've heard some people say that that he was just kind of creepy from the get-go I didn't think so but he does have a scene at the end of the film that is pretty chilling like this he does this thing with his voice um oh I'm trying to remember what the line was exactly about uh I can make girls disappear or something like that or make girl parts disappear something like it's something like that um where he was genuinely kind of chilling the problem is is that the rest of the movie is very lackluster yeah yeah talking about the acting i i feel like you know jamie lee was jamie lee she was not the the nice girl that you got in halloween necessarily this was a little bit closer to your prom night style jamie lee i think i don't agree but uh ben johnson did good you know, he plays the, the mm-hmm. conductor, a.k.a. Karn. He's just about the only likable character in the film. He really film. is. And uh, Kenny, he did a, I think he did a great job. Mm-hmm. I think he had the potential to be a good villain. Mm-hmm. They just didn't write it well enough for him to be sort of front and center. Right. I don't think they fleshed we him out well enough. We didn't get enough Kenny. Yes, I agree. Um, but he did, I think he did a great job. He had a good look, especially there at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree that sort of the manic approach to his portrayal of the killer was good right um but outside of that the acting was just okay the acting was pretty much what you expect from an 80s slasher right see i feel like as far as as uh jamie lee goes she, she didn't give anything memorable to me like in halloween you know which we've talked to death at this point, so I won't go on about that for too long. But she really gave us that girl next door that we could root for because, yes, she was this very timid, quiet Girl Scout, but managed to rise to the occasion and fight for her life. Where, as in prom night, she was full front and center, badass, doesn't take shit from anybody, you know, very spunky, closer to her real-life personality. Whereas this one, I felt like she was just so bland and milk toast that she didn't have anything to really latch on to you know she just she felt way more like a victim in this one as opposed to a final she did once the killer is coming after her she's the victim but i feel like leading up to that you know in the very beginning she's participating in the prank right like she's the bait for the prank that kind of jump starts this whole thing but you know and laurie strode would have never participated in something like that but the the, her her prom night character might have do you know what i mean yeah so she's sort of that prom night character 
character up to a point until people start dying. And then she just turns into, I'm going to run around and scream and hide. Pretty much. And I, that's not how I want to see Jamie Lee. No, 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 absolutely not. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess my real big problem here is that not only was she fleshed out, but nobody was fleshed out. Like, like hopping back to the story here, this had the potential to be a really good film or okay for what it is it could have been a really good film they but they set up so many plot points and little side stories that just ultimately never went anywhere you know what I mean like like we were talking about it last night and it's like okay they brought up the fact that Kenny likes magic nothing ever came of that whatsoever well they, they gave no indication of any of that until the very end of the movie and by then it doesn't matter right you know they it's not like that's something they introduced early on or gave you a hint towards early on that would make you even at some point think well maybe he's David Copperfield you mm-hmm. know because mm-hmm. there was no they, they just didn't give you any information like they threw a bunch of bullshit at the wall at the end of the movie and I think you were supposed to go oh oh my god but you didn't because mm-hmm. I needed that information an hour ago for me to have the holy shit moment at the end right and even some of the conflict that they tried to throw in there like the interpersonal relationships between the characters like oh this couple prob- this or this couple swings with other couples and there was no real big conflict that resulted from that it just it felt like there was too much of that you know um we spent all this time getting to know the conductor we know more about his personality than we do literally any other character in the film and yet we get no resolve with him either no well for that matter we get no resolve with the movie right so i mean (laughs) we're, we're talking about story here and that was I don't know. I I think I had my mouth open at the end of this movie. Because at the end, Jamie Lee is not even the one who who defeats him. Uh, ben right. Johnson does. Right. He comes in, whacks him with a shovel, knocks him off the train. They're drive. They're going over a bridge when he does it. So he falls, hits, lands in a river, a frozen river. Yeah. Floats off. End of the movie. Roll credits. I mean, at least Bucky came back with a metal arm. I I know, right? <laughs> And you know what? I feel gypped that the conductor didn't even hit him with the shovel six times. He should have. <laughs> and, you know, he was probably supposed to be the Loomis of the film. Yeah. But just the fact that, like, he's, all right, he fell off the train and we're done. Right. That's the end of the fucking movie. It just it just like, felt like that. Like, they were very obviously trying to repeat that Halloween formula. But at least in Halloween, we had not one character we could get behind. We had several, you know. You didn't necessarily be like, oh, my God, I don't want Linda to die. But at the same time, you got to spend time with her character to kind of see what she was about, what her life was like a little bit. And I mean, even if it was still silly, frivolous stuff, at least you knew a little bit about her. Right. And at the end of Halloween... The first one, you know, Michael, Michael, he's gone, you know, so yeah, there's no resolution there, but like, you've got Dr. Loomis that you care about, like, oh shit, is he going to come back and get him? Is he mm-hmm. going to come back and get Lori? Is he going to come back and get Sheriff Brackett? What's he going to do? Well, and then they hang- And then this one, you were like, ah, is he going to come back and kill some more people I don't care about? Yeah. I don't care. Well, and that, that thing that, yes, nothing really happens except Michael's body's gone, but still, there's still something about seeing Loomis's face looking off into the distance that you, it feels very sad satisfying still even though it does there's no real it resolve does. somehow it feels satisfying and in this one you're like what that, that that's it yeah this one what? you see the train just <laughs> kind of drive off into the wilderness and you don't you don't, like you don't know if the kids made it to where they were going right you know nothing yeah there's not even like, like a did, carrie style jump scare at the end no i mean did the conductor get rid of all of his excess rv inventory <laughs> Because we know more about him than we do anyone else. Right, exactly. He's an RV salesman, and he's not doing well right now. Yeah. And he doesn't believe that rail is going to continue to rule the rule the everything. Yeah. He thinks that RVs are the way to go. He has an argument so- with the coal shoveler. <laughs> there's so much time spent talking about RVs and trains that, <laughs> I mean, it's like, what were the filmmakers really trying to say? <laughs> like, there's, a, what is it? Like, it's seriously like a 15-minute conversation between the kid that's shoveling the coal on this train and the conductor about how the, the coal shoveler is wanting to be a train conductor or engineer or whatever at some point. And the, the conductor, Ben Johnson's character, is like, dude, no. Like, RVs are the way to go. Yeah, it's like, is this a slasher film or documentary on the decline of train travel? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> So, I, I don't know. The thing is, is that, yes, it, it had the potential, like, setting up this prank at the beginning of the film, um, hazing uh, the underclassmen, the the frat boys, 
um, it had the potential there to turn into something bigger than it was. And instead, we're just kind of following everybody around this train doing nothing. Yeah, so I get the feeling that what they did is that they laid out the story. And like you said, it had the potential to be something, right? But like all the other slashers in the 80s, they were in such a hurry to get to the kills, right? That's what people were paying to see. We got to get to the fucking and we got to get to the blood. The and problem is they didn't deliver on either of those. No, no, not whatsoever. Especially the blood. I'm The kills, and I think that almost every kill was the same kill over and over. It How was. many people got their throats cut? Uh, most of them. Yes. And nearly all, every kill, I think, happened off screen. Yes. So, and you didn't get a lot of like a good, you know, Tom Savini style uh, special effect out of it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like I know what you're talking you about. You didn't even get good effects, like when they showed the aftermath of the, the slit throat or whatever. You didn't get anything good. The one character who is Jamie Lee's boyfriend, he's just sitting next to the, the dickhead for an unknown amount of time watching this magic show. And then we cut back to him and he's just dead. Like, it doesn't show anybody creeping up from behind to attack him or anything. He's just, he's alive in one scene and then he's dead in the very next yeah. shot. Yeah, and then the, the dildo from Die Hard's like, come on, man, and he pulls his shirt open. And it's like, cool, you smeared red food coloring on, on this It guy. really did. It looked like they just drew a line down his chest and then just smeared some food coloring yeah, around a little that, bit. that's it. And then later, when Doc, the Die Hard guy, finally gets his comeuppance, because he's pretty much an asshole through the whole film mm -hmm. the severed head it, that's the worst severed head <laughs> it really like you've is. got a styrofoam head in here somewhere <laughs> that my michael myers mask sits on it looks like they took one of those and painted it yeah and then rolled it on the ground yeah here's the thing i if i remember right they did not make any money off this film like they were given so much and then after the cost they really didn't make anything back i think they lost money on this one so i think what we what i saw was they it was a three million dollar budget and mm -hmm. then fox spent like five and a half million dollars promoting it right and then they only made eight million in the box office so they actually did lose money on this movie right and i'm just going where did the budget go because the special effects were not there whatsoever like for all the shit going back to sleepaway camp for all the shit we talk about that movie even though it had shitty special effects in it you know shitty severed heads shitty i mean it did have some good ones in it like the guy getting boiled or whatever in the bee stings but the severed head I'm, I'm thinking of the kid that got drowned I guess they turn over the canoe and his body's all laying there and the snake comes out of his mouth and it's awful it's an awful fucking dummy or even Angela the dude wearing an Angela mask at the end it's a shitty shitty effect even though it is still kind of unsettling but this is probably the worst fucking severed head I've seen in a movie I it's really bad <laughs> Like, I'm just trying to figure out, okay, where did the budget go? Just the train? Ben Johnson? Jamie Lee Curtis? Like, where did it go? They they must have used that budget on, like, location. And they, now they did shoot it in an actual train that was set up on, a like, a gimbal in a warehouse so they could rock it back and forth and make mm -hmm. it look like it was moving. That has to be where the money went. I has guess to so, be. yeah. Because they didn't spend it on anything else. They didn't spend it on effects. Mm -hmm. um, the lighting was good. Yeah. I will say that. Will the lighting say, was pretty yeah. impressive. I will say that there are, the cinematography is actually pretty damn decent. Right. Like we, when we were watching it, there was one shot in particular that I was like, damn, that's actually a pretty fantastic shot. And it's the scene where, um, I can't remember what Jamie Lee, Alana, her name's Alana, because I heard that name and I went, eh. but, uh, <laughs> she, there's a scene where she's laying asleep with her head on a pillow. And then Kenny starts crawling down the train and his face is like in the window behind her. That is a really fucking cool shot. And Honestly, that's probably the one that stood out to me the most. I don't remember anything else just really jumping out at me like that. But that is one that as soon as I saw it, I went, that's really fucking cool. I saw that shot and I thought, when the fuck did he become Spider-Man? <laughs> because he seriously, like, Spider-Man's his ass down the side of a train, looks in the window and you see that, like it starts upside down and then he like moves around the side of the window. How did he do that? I don't know. How did he do that? I don't know. Was it magic? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But it just didn't seem to fit. It was a good shot. Yeah, it but was But it just it was didn't really seem good. to fit. Same with the score. I don't, I mean, I remember there being a few beats in it that I was like, this is pretty decent. This isn't bad. Is it anything that I would find memorable? No, not so much. But it wasn't terrible because we have done films where we were, we were like, was there a score in this movie? That's what I was about to ask. <laughs> 
the only music that I remember is the the band, the three-piece band that was like playing on the train. Because there's that weird sequence where Jamie Lee's standing close to the singer and he's like, keep singing. And he's looking at her <laughs> and she'd look at him and he like make a face and keep singing. Like, is that supposed to be a thing? No, they had they had a few uh, songs in there that it was kind of guitar driven that I thought it's pretty good. Like, I don't mind this. Um, it's kind of hard because Travis and I are not, our schedules do not allow for us to watch a movie several times before we record. Neither one of us just has that kind of time anymore. But so it's kind of, I'm pulling double duty now, or we're pulling double duty now, where we're having to not only watch the movie casually just to see how we feel about it as a film, but we're also having to look for all that technical stuff throughout. So it's kind of difficult, but I'm finding it easier the more and more I work at it to where I can kind of switch between those modes. Yeah, I didn't realize how hard it would be to try to catch all this stuff on the first pass. Right. I got used to watching the same movie like two or three times right. before we did a record. So you could like watch it just for the enjoyment of watching it, unless it's a movie you don't enjoy. And <laughs> then, you know, watching it and really looking for specific elements. Right. But luckily, I think for us in this particular film, it's not really that deep. So there wasn't, and it's not a technical masterpiece. So I think that made it easier for us to go through and kind of pick out those things throughout because this is one of those movies that it feels like there's just a lot of padding the runtime. You know, there's things that they stay on for a good long bit that you don't necessarily need to, I guess. So, but yeah, it, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, okay, I can kind of see this and I can kind of see that. So it, it wasn't horrible. But another one of those things that we were talking about that just felt like untapped potential is the killer of Kenny himself. Because if you look up this film anywhere, you're going to see the image of the Groucho mask. And I feel like even though it's in the movie for such a brief amount of time, I feel like it's the most iconic look of Kenny's that he has. But at the same time, they introduced this thing where after every kill, he would take the the student's costume and then kill the next victim in that and then take their costume and so on and so forth to the end of the movie. That's a neat idea. And I kind of liked that idea and the fact that how could you possibly know who it is? It could be anybody. Except again, we already know who the fucking killer is. Right. Yeah. But it, it the made unknown him, element was good. Yeah, but it made him, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. It could have been very ominous. You know, the the whole not knowing. Hiding in plain sight. Is. That's right. That's what I was thinking. He was hiding in plain sight. Yeah. That he was able to do this and maintain some form of anonymity, at least to the people on the train, not to the viewer. But yeah. And I think with most of the covers for this film, you're, you're either going to see the Groucho mask or the, the old person mask mm -hmm. that he's wearing at the very end. See, I think that was the best mask where he's got really? the robe on mm -hmm. and there's like blood on the mask or whatever. Like those are some really that good shots. was Mitchie's shots. costume, right? Mitchie was Jamie Lee's best friend and that was hers, am I no, right? Uh, Doc had the robe, but I don't, I think she had the mask. Yeah. So it was a combination of the two. Well, he had a brown robe though. When he was wearing the old lady mask, it was a black robe. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was, it was Mitchie's costume. But at any rate, it was it was good. I feel like that was a good look. And I think Groucho was good, too. I really like the Groucho mask. So, but I also like that clear one that he's wearing during the final confrontation between he and Alana. That Something about those clear masks, uh, a la Alice, Sweet Alice, those masks are very creepy, too. Yeah, yeah. But I think... I think the old the old old man mask or whatever that was probably my favorite, and I think mm. it's got more to do with the sequence that it was in and the lighting and the and the shooting of that particular one, uh, specifically like when he's going through the, like when Jamie's locked herself in the uh, like that cage it was like an office with like a cage around it and she mm -hmm. managed to get it locked and he's going through there breaking the, the light bulbs. Yeah, so that of course made me harken back to Harry Warden and not old school Harry Warden. This would have been from the remake. So I wondered if this scene of him going in and knocking out the lights influenced that My Bloody Valentine remake. I don't know, but it was good. It's a I stretch, like but I liked good. it. <laughs> yeah, I liked that that sequence there. So another thing that I liked in this film that I don't feel like we got enough of, and I, it could have just been that I feel like they didn't tap the potential that was there, was David Copperfield himself. Like the, okay. the up-close magic that he does, like pushing a cigarette through a quarter and shit. It was pretty cool. I will say that for me, that... That was the most interesting part of the film. <laughs> I agree. But I remember watching him on TV when I was a kid. Yeah, like, There same. was one where he like he made the Eiffel Tower disappear. 
or some bullshit. Yeah, like or, or a bus or something. I, yeah. I can't remember. He used to make huge ass things disappear. Yeah, and it was cool. And I'm a nerd, and so I thought that was kind of <laughs> cool. And so if they were gonna have the whole thing, like, well, Mitch is the or not Mitch, Kenny is the uh, you know he likes magic and he's the killer or whatever. Jamie Lee was pretty ineffective. Like there could have been a showdown between him and David, David Copperfield. Copperfield. <laughs> Except he just straight up fucking killed David Copperfield with one of the swords that he used to stick through the box. Right. Like I don't know. Like they could have had a they, they could have had a wizard's duel. Or something. <laughs> I mean No pink dragons though. It could have been interesting. <laughs> But, and, and something that we've kind of skipped over is that the whole time that they're on there, like in between killing these people who pranked him early on. Yeah. He's David Copperfield's assistant. Yes. Dressed as a, a female assistant. Yes. At no point did David Copperfield, who can stuff a cigarette through a quarter, figure this out. Yeah. And if I remember right, you told me you didn't even recognize that it was him either. And I'm like, how did you not? I, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> I could tell. I'm bad at that stuff. I could tell. <laughs> Yeah. It was just it, to me. It was it was it was too obvious. But uh, maybe that's just me. I don't know if somebody else watched it went, oh my god, you know. But the Angela thing, was a boy, right? <laughs> the other thing that I think is kind of weird is that, like so. If you look at it, there's <clears throat> magic all over this thing. Yes. So Kenny's character is he he likes magic. Of course, you don't find that out till later. You got David Copperfield, and then the conductor. He yes. does close up magic as well. Right. Card tricks. He can wander around and do card tricks on the trains. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of fucking movie are you making here, guys? <laughs> yeah. I just feel like if they were going to implement that as one of its big plot points, I feel like they could have done more with it. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go there, that's cool, but go there. Right. Don't just like, we're going to kind of salt and pepper this shit through the whole thing. And Right. And and that's one of the things that I feel like is just padding the runtime. Like as cool as they were, you know. Yeah, but it didn't mean anything. It, it didn't. All it, all it did was create, well, you thought it was going to create conflict between Alana and Mo that oh she's flirting with this magician but even that had nothing it went nowhere no the closest you get to that is Doc who is supposed to be Alana's boyfriend no or is it Mo it is Mo it is 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 yeah so it's Doc just pissed off talking shit to David Copperfield yeah like he's there's a little rivalry thing there with him he's trolling him basically or heckling him and David Copperfield's like well you're a little bitch and I'm gonna rub your nose in it yeah and And doing this magic these magic tricks and he's like what it's fake and then at the end he's like well maybe it's not yeah nothing happened from that either like you know what we needed we need david copperfield to be the fucking killer not even kenny david copperfield just whoa he's the killer and he fucking just kills uh doc with some magic shit i don't like know. he kills them all and makes the train disappear <laughs> i don't know that would have been cool <laughs> just i feel like they could have done something with that at least but no he they it, all that david copperfield was there for was to kind of set up this flirtation with jamie lee curtis which again went nowhere because mo meanwhile was also kind of acting like he was gonna cheat with this with this blonde girl who i don't know what her name is and that went nowhere because he never got caught he never had to apologize and then alana was just flirting with it wasn't even just david Copperfield she was dancing with other dudes flirting with other dudes the whole time and nobody ever you know it never became a thing right so I was highly confused by that it's like if it felt like they just kept trying to throw shit at the wall and see if anything would stick and nothing really stuck I I would say except for Kenny see I don't I don't necessarily think they were trying to see if it would stick I think it they just they fired up a bunch of these like side plots to try to make it intentionally confusing to kind of add to the whodunit sort of element maybe or they were just padding the runtime yeah but it didn't work (laughs) right they start a lot of things and they didn't finish any of it so there was no payoff for any of these little side side quests right (laughs) yeah it's like fucking skyrim you know you start all these side quests you never finish any of them you just say fuck it it's not worth running all the way over there yeah and also they're medical students and nothing got done with that either there was potential for something to be there too that went beyond the prank like there's the there's the one part okay where where we find mo's dead body or whatever and this is probably the most acting acting that I would say the character of Doc did because he did freak out he did pretty well but th- it cracked me up because at one point he goes I'm a doctor <laughs> damn it Jim I'm a doctor not a miracle worker <laughs> yeah he's like I'm a doctor and it was like okay if you're a doctor then why are you not doing all of, I'm, I'm in this line of work now <laughs> you do know do some doctoring I deal with this on a nightly basis and it's like why aren't you checking these people's pulses why aren't you looking at their injuries like why aren't you doing the obvious stuff 
yeah. you know, taking vitals. I don't know. It just. Yeah, he didn't do anything. He just sort of <laughs> flipped out and was like shaking him. <laughs> I mean, is that how they did CPR in the 80s? Like, we're just going to shake the shit out of you. I hate when they do that in films, right? Like, the person's obviously dead. And, and uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween comes to mind where Lori finds Linda. And she's just like, wake up. Wake up. Why won't you wake up? Because yeah. she's fucking dead, dude. Because that's how that like, works. You could check her pulse and know that immediately. <laughs> if you shake them hard enough, they will wake up. <laughs> they will come back to life. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it was just fucking ridiculous. This movie was a train wreck. <laughs> One of us had to say it. God damn it. This movie was a train wreck, and I'm not even going to apologize for saying that. Well, the thing is, okay, so one thing that we have not talked about yet, surprisingly, is the prank itself that led to all of this. So we've seen the films where there are uh, pledges getting hazed. Uh, uh, There's a Tales from the Crypt episode that comes to mind. Um, where they always put these guys through like the worst shit. And they set it up in the beginning that these frat boys may be taking body parts from the morgue and playing playing pranks with them. So one of them is that I think it's Doc goes to give one of the pledges a handshake and hands him a severed hand. And that is another thing that comes up later because there's... um, I think it's the scene with Mitchie's death, maybe, where he puts a severed hand on her chest. And in both of these instances, I'm going, how is nobody realizing the coloring on this hand? Like, that's a very gray hand. How is nobody noticing that? I don't understand how he got away with it. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain that smuggling body parts out of a medical facility is illegal. Yeah, they do mention that, that, oh, they got in trouble or whatever. I'm like, obviously not in bad enough trouble because it seems like you would get kicked out of school for something like that. When you smuggle an entire body out. <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, that's like almost the only nudity we get in the film, too, is the corpse of the lady. Yeah. So the the blonde girl who takes the severed hand and she's wearing it like down the front of those overalls for a long time. Did I don't you think that, that was a severed hand. I think that was just maybe a it's pro- just a prop or yeah. something. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's about a half a second flash of her boob. Yeah. I didn't even notice it. Yeah, like There's it almost no fast. nudity in this. And that's not a criticism necessarily. It's just surprising for an 80s slasher that you don't have boobs everywhere. Right. Well, that's that's kind of the thing is like we did get the kills we didn't get the tna it's like what are what are we getting here uh, otherwise you're just left with this very weird movie and you're like scratching your head at the end like what the fuck did i just watch right which so, is pretty much exactly our reaction to it yeah so the prank goes as follows right they're going they've set kenny up thinking that he's going to smash with alana right so he goes to the bedroom where she is and this bed is set up with this billowy canopy i just to hide the corpse and Alana is standing behind a door and talking to him and he comes in he strips down to his very to his European cut speedo yeah he's very yellow little skivvies I swear to god I own underwear that look just like that I'm pretty sure you do (laughs) and (laughs) we watched one reviewer like is he wearing a diaper I think that I think that was Dr. Wolfila. It, it didn't look like a diaper to me. It looked like he was wearing his sister's underwear or something. Like they but. were those were not Yeah. I don't know how to say it without it being offensive. Those were not men's undergarments that he was wearing. Oh, no, it looked like those, like you said, those European style underwear yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, what was the 80s? So tidy whities were a thing, but those were yellow. Yeah. So, they, they, yeah, they weren't even tidy whities and they weren't even brief cut. They no, were, yeah. No, those they were really look like those women's were, those boy were shorts. bikini briefs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what they look like. Women's boy short type underwear. So anyway... So he gets into bed with this corpse and he, I I guess he goes to move the body back so he can see her face and a wig falls off. And then right about this time, and I'm sorry, he has the weirdest fucking look on his face because as soon as (laughs) the wig falls off, it's like he's smiling almost. He's like, (laughs) and then he stands up and he freaks out and he grabs a hold of the canopy and he starts twirling around. Around in it. He was a tornado of emotion. <laughs> and Alana starts freaking out, which she was, to be fair, she did seem like she was apprehensive at the beginning because she was saying, like, I don't even like this guy. Like, why are we doing this? 
And then when, I mean, she does, like, when he initially comes in and starts stripping down, she does have, a, a like, a second of a giggle, right? But then as soon as he starts to freak out, she starts to freak out. And at some point, I don't even know what happened. He just tangled himself up in the thing and then it, that's it? You know, the only thing they I They don't could... show him being apprehended or... No, the only thing I can think about right there in that, in that moment, like, after he's finished spinning himself up, so he's like... I don't know. He's crucified himself with gauze. And tool. he's like just hanging there. And I thought, we had a dog that used to do that. <laughs> the Jack Russell. Like, you ever put him on a lead or something? Like, tied him out? Like, he would do that. He would, ha- he would like, tie himself to a tree with his own lead. And when you came out, he'd be looking at you. would be like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. It just grabbed me. Help me. So this ultimately ends up being his demise also in that part. Like really, I I could not understand why that was a thing because when they're having the confrontation, you know, and he's, she's trying to apologize because she did find out at some point that something bad happened in Kenny's past where he was possibly responsible for the death of somebody else. And they don't necessarily say whether it was intentional, it was an accident that I guess that part is still a mystery, but either way, he was already kind of fucked up before the prank. I didn't get that impression from him. He seemed like he was just a nerd. Like he he didn't come across as... He seemed like were, he was just kind of a quiet, nerdy guy. Yeah, there didn't seem to be anything off about him, obviously. Well, it was the same thing. They didn't give you that information till the end of the movie. Right. That would have been relevant at the beginning. Right. That would have helped set everything up. But mm-hmm. like, if they'd come right out and said that at the very beginning of the film, then you like you could have just deleted David Copperfield's character completely. Right. Like There was there was no reason to have anything else in this film if they had said that up front. Because you're like, oh yeah, it's him. Yeah. Which we did that anyway. But Yeah, so at some point point Lana is trying to apologize to Kenny about what happened but he comes to the conclusion that well he even tells her he's like you haven't changed and then he demands her to kiss him and he kind of forces this kiss on her but then as soon as it happens he has the same freak out it starts exactly the same way he gets that weird little freaky smile on his face and then he stands up and starts to spin in circles again and <laughs> and then uh, the the conductor comes in and smacks him on the head with a with a uh, shovel. Well, to be fair, he had to smack him twice. Yeah, he was a two hitter. <laughs> double tap. But yeah, he had double tap. <laughs> but so okay, so like when she says she's sorry, anytime in a movie when you've got your antagonist telling the protagonist or whatever in this case Jamie Lee or your your good versus evil and the the bad guys like you need to say you're sorry right or apologize mm-hmm. the reaction that the villain always gives every time no matter how they react i always think of frieza box character in the craft you're sorry oh he's sorry 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 <laughs> that's what i think about every time i don't even know why i don't know why i think it's because the apologies are always they always look fake right <laughs> like i wish every villain that gets an apology would would do that I don't know. I kind of wish they would just give that weird little smile and start spinning around in circles. That was pretty good, too. (laughs) I don't know. It just feels so... Like, when he started doing that, I was like, what the fuck? Like, that's that's all it takes to bring down this killer is just to give him a kiss? I want you to imagine trying to direct that. (laughs) Like, you're the director. Like, okay, so she kisses you. Now you're upset. Now spin around. (laughs) No, 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 faster. Now keep going. Spin faster. Spin faster. Now hit yourself. (laughs) Like I don't, I don't get it. Or the one at the very beginning. Like how how did how do you direct him? Like all right, I need you to tie yourself up. Basically, I need you to spin around and tie yourself to the bed. Yeah, no, do it. Okay. I don't know. There there was one other moment that was just fucking laugh out loud for me. And this can go back to acting a little bit. Is the guy what was his name? Something D or whatever. Jackson. To the guy in the lizard costume. Yeah. And, uh, but they had a nickname for him. It was like Jack D. D Jack. D Jack. Yeah. Something like that. And his kill. So, for whatever reason, he decides he needs to take him into the restroom to give him a drink. Right. (laughs) I don't know why. Yeah. He's like, I got the good stuff. Come in the bathroom with me. (laughs) Come on. I got some real need to show you my bedroom. I would think typically you need to be wary of those invitations. (laughs) Yeah. So they 
go to the restroom and I'm thinking, okay, he's going to like maybe break the bottle and stick it in him. I think we've seen Jason do that before in uh, Jason Lives. But I was waiting for something like that. And if I'm being really honest, I don't remember how he killed him exactly. I know he threw him into a mirror. That's it. That's all you see. He <laughs> smashes his head into the mirror. But the reaction of Jackson was he was like, no, yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> oh. He wasn't even screaming. He wasn't like, like trying to fight for his life. He was just, no. Yeah, he grabs him by the head and like <laughs> aims him at the wind at the mirror. And he just goes, no. <laughs> I was like, oh man, you're being really convincing here. Wait, how drunk are you? <laughs> I know, right? Too drunk to taste this chicken. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> But that was the only other part that I could think about that I was just fucking laughing my ass off. It was the most understated reaction I've ever seen. No, you know what? No, no, no. It makes me think of that that movie. Oh my god, I don't even know the name of it. I saw it in a Jacksepticeye video where it's this really horrible, like the room style of film, and this guy is sitting with this other guy in a garage, and he's like, "I can't believe you killed yourself. Why would you kill yourself? I can't believe you killed yourself." <laughs> That's what it made me think of. That I've seen that, <laughs> and it's really bad. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had to, I had to put that clip up on our on our Twitter. You should do that. <laughs> but anyway, you looked like you were about to sit here and turn purple, so I'm kind of curious as to what you're thinking about. No, I was just still laughing about no. <laughs> It was pretty good. It was pretty awful. <laughs> so now that we're kind of getting to the end of this thing, let's wrap this up. So, Travis, what do you think about Terror Train? <laughs> um, I think if you never saw this movie, you'd be okay. Okay. I just don't like. I know normally we do a "What did you love about this movie? What did you hate about this movie?" Nothing about this movie stood out to me. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in there that I'm like, "We well, should totally watch it because of this one part." Because I know we've done movies like that before. It's like, well, it's not that great, but there's this part that you need. Garbage to see. day, right? This doesn't have any of those. Mm-hmm. And as far as hated, there wasn't any of it that I was. It was so bad. I'm like, oh god, I hate that. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm sort of in the I just I neutral about this movie. I right. Guess. Like I I don't hate it. I just don't care. <laughs> Like, it's not one that I'm going to be like, hey, we should watch that again. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw it. And if it ever comes up again, but yeah, I've seen that. Let's pick something else. Which just kind of sucks being that it's like one of the only few New Year's Eve style right. horror films out there. Now, I, I will openly admit right now that I've never seen New Year's Evil. I'm tempted to because I know that that's one that kind of comes up in conversation a little bit. I've just never gotten around to seeing it. So who knows? Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised. Right. But typically if I watch this film, it's because, oh, it's New Year's even there's not really a lot of those oh. out there and i'll tell you something that is a little strange is that this is the first canadian film that we've both been kind of like yeah yeah because i think we both you know we were both had there were things that we liked about prom night and we both really liked the first my bloody valentine mm-hmm. and i think we kind of feel the same way about this one that it's just not that great right so sorry canada <laughs> yeah swing and a miss <laughs> Uh, How about you? Let's see. So, loved and hated. I will say that I did like the character of Kenny. I think that he, there could have been done, more done with his character, absolutely. But I did like him overall. I thought the performance the actor gave was really great for what little bit that we got. Um, Let's see. Loved. I, I'm just not, apart from that, I'm just, like I said, some of the cinematography was really good. Um, But apart from that, there's just... It's just very, it's very bland film for me. This is Um, the vanilla pudding of movies. Right. Now, outright hated, I did get a little aggravated at some of the tropes that were thrown in there. Like, oh, somebody's got to get pranked at the beginning of the film. Like, okay, we get it. We've we've been there and we've done that. Um, And there was, thankfully, they only did it one time in the film. But that is when the guy who is, or um, Jackson, the guy in the lizard costume, was killed. The conductor was first one to see his body. He goes in there. He sees blood everywhere and then he leaves the body in there, closes the door, and then he goes to grab somebody else. And then when they come back to have a look at him, oh, well, he's fine. The body's moving around. And I'm like, oh, great. That's going to be one of these fucking movies where everybody's going to think you're nuts, even though you know something's going on. But thankfully, by the time we get around to Mitchie's death, that was that was no longer the case. So I was 
glad that they didn't keep going with that. But that that first initial time, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But same thing. This just felt very middle of the road, not anything very memorable. Like I said, I, I know that it's gained cult status amongst horror fans. I know a lot of people recommend it, but... For me, it's just doesn't, didn't blow my hair back. I, and, and I think a lot of it could be because I don't have that nostalgia there for it. Yeah. I mean, if you, if I was going to recommend an 80s slasher, it, this wouldn't be at the top of the list. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's probably worth watching once. So I guess I'll retract what I just said. It's probably worth watching once, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, if somebody asked me like, Hey, what's an 80s slasher I need to watch? I'm going to send them to prom night or the burning or bloody Valentine or Halloween, even though it was, you know, technically late seventies. I'm going to send them somewhere else before I send them here. Well, I'd say if you're a fan of that era of Jamie Lee Curtis, where, you know, you want to see all the slashers that she was in, you know, before she went and got big and famous on everybody. Sure. Okay. Go ahead and add that one. You know, if if you're just being a Jamie Lee Curtis slasher completist. Yeah. If you're trying to get your completionist achievement on Xbox. <laughs> yeah. But uh, other than that, it's just, it, it didn't stand out to me whatsoever. Kenny didn't even come back with a metal arm feels so gypped he should have <laughs> so new year and what a perfect time to announce it we instead of kind of because we already kind of gave our final thoughts with what we loved and we hated so now we are going to finally introduce a rating system in this show because for the longest time we were like oh, everybody kind of does their own rating system you know they score it this many out of this many or you do something funny like uh dr wolfula does with his rating system uh but i think what we've decided to do in theme with our show is we are going to introduce mary fuck and kill mary being it's basically a unicorn of a movie and kill being i hate it i'll never watch it again and mary being like it's in my regular rotation but it's not the greatest film i've ever seen make sense so um okay mary fuck or kill how do you feel about terror train just kill it Just kill it. (laughs) Just kill it. I mean, if you fuck it, then you're not ever going to get away from it. It's going to be like, just keeps calling. You know what I mean? Like, even though you both know it's not going to work, they're just going to keep calling. It's like, ah, I'm going to have to change my number now. I think I screwed that up with trying to give the explanation. Yeah, you did. I did. Okay, so let me me redo that again. Mary, unicorn of film. Fuck it means I'll call it from time to time for a booty call. call. Yeah, and then you kill it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, kill it. I'm not going there. (laughs) We can also introduce kill it with fire. (laughs) Like, this is the worst piece of shit garbage I've ever seen. We can expand our rating system (laughs) if we need to. <laughs> but yeah, I just have to give it a kill it. Yeah. How about you? I'm going to give it a kill it also. Not kill it with fire, but I'm I'm going to kill it just because this is not even one that I want to call occasionally for a booty call. This is the one that it, it they kind of pop back into your life every once in a while and you're like... <sighs> Uh-huh, maybe I'll... Like, maybe you fucked it once, and every time you see it, you get that dirty feeling. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it still hasn't washed off. Maybe I'll stop and have an awkward conversation with it, but then I'm going to move on. I gotta go now. <laughs> I'm going to take it out for a chicken dinner and got, never call it I've again. Got a <laughs> cookie order at a bakery I need to pick up. <laughs> I gotta go wash my hair. <laughs> right. Picking my dog up from the groomer. Yeah, so unfortunately, this is a kill it from the both of us. <laughs> And that's going to do it for Terror Train. So next week we are coming back with Frozen. And I don't mean the Disney musical. Let it go. No no letting it, let go. it go. No building of snowmen's. <laughs> Do you want no, to build a snowman? I'm, I'm talking about, I would say, a criminally underrated gem by director Adam Green that from 2010 that I don't feel gets enough love. It's not one that comes up enough, but it traumatized the fuck out of me the first time I saw it. And we'll get into that why next week. I feel traumatized every time I see Sean Ashmore on screen too. So. Oh my God, don't, don't feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> but until next week, guys, take care. Bye. What would you do to save the life of a teenage boy? If you subscribe to our Patreon for just 3 to $10 a month, you can get Aiden out of the industrial-sized hamster wheel we use to power our show. <laughs> for that, you'll get access to bonus content and allow me to remove Aiden's handcuffs. He doesn't run worth shit with them on anyway. Also be sure to show your support on our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter as TravisL80 and SpookyMom83. Thank you for your consideration.